It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the sports, sports Rush with Brett Rump. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, 11 yards, touchdown! Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are Let's go home on a Monday. It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. We are glad that you have spent some time with us. Hopefully you'll spend a little bit more. It's only been 15 seconds so far, but thank you for being tuned in to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Coming up on the show, we're packed. We've got a state championship coach from Bishop Lewis, Mark Pixley, is going to join us in about 15 minutes. Also, our number two, it is our weekly 15 minutes with fish. He asked for 14. He's a little down right now. <laughs> I said, no, Don, it's 15. <laughs> Got to uh, give me 15. Yeah. 14 good minutes and one rant. <laughs> That's all I need. But Don Fisher will be joining us coming up at about 520 this afternoon. Of course, you're always connected to the show. 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Adam, what a beautiful day. How was the weekend? How's that jump shot? Oh, you saw a little bit of it. I got a little bit hey, in there. But, well-edited uh, video. I saw that. Oh, no. No edits, my friend. Cor- cor- <laughs> corner three, wing three. I, I noticed it was rather dark when you took the video, <laughs> so I figured you'd been shooting for a while by the time you finally got around to hitting a few. Oh, that was actually right after work. Um, got the show uploaded, yeah, got over you, to oh, the park. You're, and you're then... grinding till at least 6.08 oh, every you know day. It, man. Yeah. You know oh, it. It's so dark. <laughs> uh, anyway, did you get some shots up today? Not today. Might do some after the show. I was going to say, it is it's a, a lovely day. gorgeous day. It, uh, it it really does start to feel like spring when you get a day like today. Of course, the day started, and this is the thing that's so frustrating. You start the day, and if you're like me where you're out and about most mm-hmm. of the day, and you can't just all of a sudden change wardrobes mid-stride, you start the day, and it's cold. I mean, it was barely freezing, if if above 32 degrees at all. And so you start and you're, you're layered with a couple of layers. Next thing you know, you'd have to drop one layer, <laughs> <clears throat> but you still end up not probably appropriately dressed for the weather. So when, for those of you that have been in the office since eight o'clock this morning, you're going to go out and you're going to be shocked at just how warm and nice it is. A little bit of a breeze that keeps it from feeling probably as warm as it actually is, but it is gorgeous outside. And Maybe I'm just enjoying it because I've been in Wisconsin. <laughs> Where actually it was pretty warm in Wisconsin, too. For February especially, yeah. I mean, I think we kind of lucked out with weather here. Yeah, day in the mid-50s yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, the Dons were not as hot as the weather outside. <laughs> and they fell yesterday to Milwaukee. But they did split the trip. i got to tell you something, though, about the Milwaukee Hotel. Yeah. We stay in, and this is one of the spoils of being the the voice of the Mastodons, is we stay in some pretty nice hotels. I mean, one thing that Coach Kaufman doesn't like to, 
you know, to, to nitpick and to budget and everything is is a hotel. So we stay in some of the, the nicer establishments, usually in a downtown, you know, one of the real nice downtown hotels. Pretty equivalent to where you would expect maybe an NBA team to stay or something like that. So we had uh, we get to Milwaukee on Saturday, had team dinner, and by the time they had had practice, we had traveled, they had had practice, they got back, and we had dinner. It was fairly late in the evening, but not super late. I mean, maybe 9 o'clock or so, 9.15. But, uh, but me and an assistant coach, we headed to the elevator because we were on one of the low floors uh, getting ready to head on up to our rooms after dinner and uh it's one of those areas where you walk in there's a little bit of a elevator lobby or whatever you would call it and there's four elevators two on one side two on the other and we push the button to go up and one of the elevator doors opens up and there's a body laying on the floor of the elevator Now, we weren't quite sure if it was a warm body or a cold body, but (laughs) that door opened up and there is someone flat out prone on the floor of the elevator. And he and I kind of look at each other. And about that time, it came to life. It it, all of a sudden it popped up. (laughs) He he, it was a a gentleman probably in his mid 20s, got up to his feet. Obviously, was under the influence of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to his feet, looked at us, said, "Oh, sorry." And uh, <laughs> and it's like, no need to apologize. We'll just take another elevator. And so we we let the door close, and then we waited a few seconds because you you know if you're going to hit the button, you got to wait until the elevator goes up to the next floor or whatever. So we wait a few seconds, hit the button, and that same elevator opens back up. Same guy, same position, standing there looking at us. And we said, you need to hit one of the buttons. It isn't going to go anywhere unless you pick a floor, push one of the buttons, and we'll get the next elevator. Oh, man. Door closes. So at this point, we wait a good 45 seconds or so. We just start chatting a little bit, talking about the experience. And finally, we we uh, hit the elevator button. And guess which door opened up? <laughs> uh, there he is. <laughs> Still hasn't moved from our floor. And for, for, for Coach Wolf and I, we're like, I don't know where to go from here. Because <laughs> the stairs, <laughs> because clearly every time we push this button, it's going to be his door that opens up and he's going to be standing there looking at us. Not really sure why we are on every floor of the hotel, because I assume he thinks he's moving. I, <laughs> I don't know, but it's it's got to be haunting to him. It's haunting to us. And so uh, the door closes and I said, he goes, what do you want to do? I said, let's give it a couple of minutes. And we listen and we thought we heard the elevator moving you know how like you can hear a vibration and stuff and so we gave it a good two three minutes hit the button the door opens up he's still standing there it's the same elevator he's still standing there uh in a stupor and uh we just looked at each other and said uh hey we're gonna take the stairs yeah we're we're fine Uh, geez yeah so i got my workout in i got some stair work in on saturday night that i wasn't expecting well stairmaster yeah yep Only me, though. I only get those kind of stories. Of course. You get crazy Crazy. people in the elevators. I mean, I don't know if the guy had come in off the streets, if he 
if he was a guest of the hotel. My thought after evaluating the situation and processing it in my mind later is he probably was somebody from the streets of Milwaukee who came in, got it because the floor we were on was a conference room floor where you didn't need a room key to get to that floor. All the other floors with rooms, you had to have a room key that you swiped before you pushed the button to get you to that level. And so my guess is he came in knowing that there were not going to be any business events going on, probably got it down to that floor, thought that it would be safe and wouldn't go anywhere. I don't know if he locked the elevator or anything, but but he probably was not a resident or, or not a guest of the hotel. Ugh. And so, yeah, it was quite quite the experience. And then Sunday, as we said, went over to the arena downtown, just a block away from Pfizer Forum. Busy day in Milwaukee yesterday, by the way, because not only were the Milwaukee Panthers playing Purdue-Fort Wayne, but just across a parking lot at the Pfizer Forum, Marquette was playing Xavier. Oh, man. Yeah, so busy, busy day. Everybody outside in downtown Milwaukee enjoying the weather. And uh, the Milwaukee Panthers enjoyed the atmosphere inside Panthers Arena much more than the Mastodons. Hey, I'll tell you what, though. The Mastodons had a 10-point lead second half. It's unfortunate they, they continued to struggle to close games out. But they did prove once again that whether it's home, whether it's away, they can play with anybody in this league. Absolutely. Uh, after what they did to Green Bay on Friday night, just absolutely throttled them. And there's only been, I think, two teams out of the entire Horizon League that have gone in and made that sweep through Wisconsin, playing Green Bay, Milwaukee back-to-back, that have actually won both games. So it's not something uh, to be too ashamed of going up there and splitting the pair in uh, the Dairy State. So anyway, uh, Thursday, that left me not here. Oh, Adam, that was frustrating. Mm, I know, you were real upset because you wanted to let loose on a particular basketball program i was pumped up ready to roll and give my rant on what i saw with indiana basketball (laughs) what an embarrassment for indiana and this wasn't even the penn state game this goes back to the nebraska game yep (laughs) i watched that game and i'm taking notes and i'm just starting to fume i'm thinking oh i gotta explode on this because this is obvious coaching and scouting flaws and maybe it's not in how the coaches are scouting but how the players are receiving the scout because these players had no clue what was going on especially ball screens help defense the rotations uh you know offensively what are they running does anybody have a clue what you call indiana's offense because to me it looks like why ball offense just put the ball out there. Somebody make a play. It, it, it There was one time where McKenzie Mbako got the ball on the wing, dribbled right into a triple team, and was stuck in a triangle. It was like the Bermuda Triangle closed in on him, and eventually they stripped the ball away and head the other direction. It was just boneheaded basketball, offensively and defensively. They didn't do much of anything right, and a lot of it... I'm like, okay, those are situations that you can excuse when a team hasn't played together or players haven't built a chemistry on handling ball screens. But by this point in the season, 
you've got to know the language that's being spoken during the scout meetings. You've got to know your teammates as far as who gets through screens better than others. It was every ball screen was a joke when I was watching it last uh, Wednesday night, Indiana against Nebraska. It was a joke. You had the big who'd be guarding the screener. And the the one in particular was Kalel Ware, where uh, McKenzie Mbako was guarding the ball. The ball handler, or dribbler in this case, uh, went from the left wing toward the middle of the floor to get toward the top of the key. There was a screen set for him en route to that position. And Ware did not step to his left, which would have cut off the ball handler. Instead, he stayed right behind the screener. You had Mbako that got caught behind Ware, not really sure which way to go. It looked like there was confusion. Was it a switch? Was it a uh, a switch? I mean, you know, what were they doing exactly? It was just you could tell that there was a lot of miscommunication between the two because the next thing you know, the ball handler goes right down the lane, clear path to the basket. Neither one of those guys provided any kind of resistance. And then the one help side defender that could have come over to take away the drive was Trey Galloway, and he got out of the way. He just basically matadored it and turned his hips and let the guy go all the way to the basket for a layup. And I thought, there's the perfect example. Got to write this one down because I've been watching this ball screen defense and it's been bad game after game where it just seems like they really don't have a clue. Are they, uh, you know, is the the big man guarding the screener? Is he hedging out to try to stop the momentum of the dribbler or to circle him deeper into the half court to give a guy a chance to get position against him? Uh, is he dropping off his man to allow the guy who's guarding the ball handler to shoot through and to, to maintain a good defensive position against the ball handler? They, they don't know. They really don't know. They make it up as they go, and that's all on coaching. I mean, it just is a, a disaster right now. When you add on top of that the fact that they have lazy closeouts, there were a number of closeouts where they took like half a step and gave a little bit of a wave. I mean, there wasn't an aggressive closeout to get to a shooter quickly. It was just an embarrassment for Indiana, Indiana basketball team, the Indiana basketball program, the coaching staff, the players, everybody gets thrown under the bus on this one. That was inexcusable what happened against Nebraska. And the problem is you cannot give three looks at three from a team that shoots threes pretty well when you can't jump out of a boat and hit water. I mean, they Indiana is a bad shooting team. They can't shoot free throws. They can't shoot three-point shots. They're a bad shooting team that can't allow themselves to give up a lot of three-pointers because it makes it almost impossible for them to come back when they rely on the two-point shot offensively. Horrible night. And then they double down against Penn State. How about that? Let's do it again. <laughs> Let's lose another one we have a chance to win. But get this. IU has been swept this season by Northwestern, Nebraska, and Penn State. Robert mm. Montgomery Knight just rolled over in his grave. Yes, he did. Northwestern, Nebraska, and Penn State have swept Indiana basketball. 
Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Rough. And right now, uh, might as well tell Mike Woodson, you're not in the thick of anything anymore. In fact, <laughs> the only thing you're really in the thick of is the thick of the first four that are going to be playing that opening day at the Big Ten tournament because that's where Indiana finds itself. Yeah, they're right down there at the bottom. They are very close to going sub-500 for the season. They are very close to being uh, right near the bottom. I mean, thank God there's Michigan and what what's happening up in Ann Arbor this year. Or Indiana would have a serious chance of being the worst team in the Big Ten this season. Mm. I mean, you get to those depths. Yeah. How can you not make the decision that has to be made? I mean, it just... <sighs> to, to me, it's it, a lot of it is you can complain that they're not hitting shots. You can complain they're losing. You can complain who they're losing to. But it is how they're losing that is directly related to the coaching, the player development, the teaching, the scouting, the preparation. Indiana is a totally unprepared team that is fundamentally poor and not getting a whole lot better. That's coaching. Sorry. This time of the year, it's got to be better than that. What did they do all summer? What did they do in the preseason? What have they done for the first three months of the actual season itself? Because they haven't become a better basketball team. And don't give me this, Xavier Johnson got hurt, and so you're down a point guard. <laughs> okay, there's a lot of teams that have survived injuries. Next man up, you prepare players to step into roles that they may be uncomfortable with, but they come in and they play with effort, they play with passion, they play fundamentally disciplined, and they, they don't hurt you. Now, they might not help you a whole lot. Where Xavier Johnson could be an asset, but this year he's been probably more a liability than an asset. But Indiana just doesn't have depth. In fact, the bench keeps seemingly getting shorter and shorter as the season goes on because there's nobody they can really rely on off the bench. It's very inconsistent. Uh, Gabe Cups. You know, such a highly touted freshman that came in. And then you look ahead to next year. And without Derek Queen, now what do you have? You have one recruit that's coming in. Last year, you didn't exactly ace the transfer portal. I mean, if you want to call Peyton Sparks an ace in the hole, because that's where he's been, in the hole. We haven't seen him hardly this year. I mean, the reality is IU is at the depths of IU basketball right now. And the question is, is Mike Woodson the right guy to get them out of that hole? Because that's what Scott Dolson's going to have to answer. And it's going to be his reputation and his job that could perhaps be at stake with how this basketball team responds to this season. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Got to take a break because we're going to talk state championship basketball. Big congrats to the Bishop Lures Knights. The Lady Knights won a championship on Saturday. And the coach, Mark Pixley, is going to be joining us on the other side. Also, we'll get the headlines coming up a little bit later this hour. Kind of kept me busy on Saturday. I was able to pass the time on the road in Milwaukee by listening to state championship girls basketball. And of course, it was a great afternoon and an exciting evening, although it ended a disappointment with Norwell falling just short in the 3A game. But that was not the situation for Bishop Lures. They win another title. I believe it is their seventh in school history. And the Bishop Lures Knights took care of Brownstown Central coming from behind 44-36.
and the winning coach for the Bishop Lewis Knights joins us right now on the Sports Rush. It is Mark Pixley, and Coach, congratulations. Thank you very much. Just got done with our state championship <laughs> pep rally, so feeling good right now. Of course, uh, hey, it's been a special year at Bishop Lewis with the football state championship. Now you follow that up, you've got a girls basketball state championship at a small, very close school like Bishop Lewis. Is that success kind of contagious? Does that carry over to the other athletic programs? Yeah, you know, they kind of call it the lure spirit over there. And, um, you know, we saw the football team do it, and our girls, you know, set a goal at the beginning of the season while they were kind of going through that with the football team. And, you know, they saw what the football team had done, and, you know, we wanted to do what they did, and, you know, we got the job done as well. Every coach wants to see their team playing their best basketball when it turn, turns to tournament time. And there have been some, some disappointing nights for Bishop Lewis basketball this year. And, uh, and I'm sure you probably had times where you questioned, would this team get to that point by the time we get into uh, February? What was the difference with this team? What were they able to put together to make the tournament run and ultimately win a state championship? Um, you know, you know, just throughout the season, we played such a tough schedule. Um, but I think when we beat Columbia City, I think they saw and then they kind of knew that, you know, if we play really well, we can beat anybody. Um, but the biggest thing, you know, once we started sectional play was just our depth. Um, you know, we were playing nine girls during our sectional run. And, you know, we just sub them in, sub them out. And our depth just wore teams down, you know, I think. Three of our opponents, we'd come out to warm up at halftime, and they were just sitting on the bench because they were tired of dealing with how we play in our size too for a 2A school. Let's talk about the halftime speech because whatever you said obviously worked, but uh, down 24 to 15 at the half, but just come out on fire in that third quarter and took control of this basketball game. What was the difference between the first half and what the girls were able to do in the second half? Um, you know, I walked in the halftime and, you know, we weren't playing well, but we were only down nine. And I looked at our girls and they had a kind of a calm feeling about them. And they knew if we just had to start playing our style. Um, and, you know, we wanted to press them. But, you know, when you're not scoring in the second quarter, it's hard to do that. But we came out, I think, on a 5-0 run, got into our press. Put Miley, she really doesn't play that position as our top person on our press a lot in the season but you know she came out and just caused all kinds of trouble for their guards you know and she was she was the standout in that second half and uh tell me a little bit about her because you know in some ways i think she spent a great deal of this season perhaps in the shadow of uh players like annika davis and Addie shank but she's really made a name for herself throughout this season she is such an important player and a contributor to the success of this team yeah, you know, <clears throat> she does, you know, she can get the rebound, go coast to coast. You know, she has a great, you know, finger roll for transition for, you know, her fast break points, but she's a low down low. And then it goes to show to this, the leadership, uh, Annika and Addie have too that, you know, during this run, they're kind of letting Miley shine. And, you know, that just goes to the teamwork and the character of our team. 
So uh, now that you got that state championship after the game was over, uh, who was the first person that you went to? Now, I know you probably had a couple of coaches trying to get hugs, but who was the first person that you went to once it kind of started to sink in that you were a state champion? Uh, you know, Mary Hathaway, you know, she won one as a player. She's an assistant uh, coach with me, and she's been there all 10 years with me. And, you know, you start thinking about all our past players that didn't accomplish this and just the hard work that, you know, we put in and the players put in, you know, past players that haven't won it with us. But this group was just special, you know, throughout the whole year. So uh, what's the off season going to be like now when you uh, start to plan for next year? Does it change the perspective and the expectations of the program now that you've got one? Um, You know, well, there's so much tradition there. You know, it started with Gary Andrews, Terry, Denny, you know, winning all those championships. So we always, when we play, we know we get a the other team's best, you know, just because a lot of coaches coached against those teams. Um, but, you know, we're just going to have to, you know, reset and, you know, start over and, you know, set new goals and, you know, missing my three seniors, you know, it'll be tough, but, you know, we have a good group coming back. Absolutely. Congratulations again, coach. We're happy for you here in the 260. Always pleased to hear our, uh, local athletes, uh, getting the state championship, especially, uh, when it comes to, the basketball and we can be there broadcasting it we uh we once again congratulate you and i thank you very much for joining us this afternoon yep thanks for all you do too thank you that is mark pixley he's the head coach of the bishop lewis knights winners over brownstown central 44 to 36 miley Waring ended up with 17 points in the game she was six of ten from the field five of seven at the free throw line added 10 rebounds a double double for miley Waring. And a lot of that came in the second half when uh, Bishop Lewis just flipped this game around. We talked to the coach about being a 24-15 game at the half, and Lewis just seemingly could not get a bucket in that second quarter. They were held to just three points in the second quarter after it was a 14-12 opening frame. And then in that third quarter, Lewis outscores Benton Central, or Brownstown Central, uh, 19-7 and flips what was a nine-point deficit into a three-point lead, and they carried it from there, outscoring Brownstown Central 10-5 to in the fourth period. So just a really solid effort all the way around. And uh, talking to Derek earlier today, he, of course, had the play-by-play of this one on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. And he said, you know, the the thing was, once Bishop Lures was able to get the lead, then all of a sudden... You had Brownstown Central scrambling because they are not a team that is is structured to play from behind. They like to use 30 to 40 seconds for a possession. They're very methodical in how they run their offense. Usually it's five, six passes before they really engage into any kind of offensive attack. And he said, uh, you know, once you start building that lead and you put the pressure on the other team to play faster than they're comfortable, it's even a bigger advantage than what the scoreboard may be telling you. And so that was one of the keys to the game. Bishop Lewis getting on top, putting that pressure on Brownstown Central. And for the second consecutive time that these teams have met at the state championship, Bishop Lewis gets the win. Uh, So big win for Bishop Lewis. Big win. And like you said, it was just a really uh, impressive second half, the way the Bishop Lewis girls were able to kind of just uh, keep playing their game, like Coach said, and they did it. And uh, and then the role players. I mean, Addie Warner. Yeah. 
only played nine minutes, 51 seconds. She only took two shots. She made one. But the one she made was a huge shot. Mm -hmm. I think it extended a lead perhaps to two possessions. All I know is when she set up and hit that three from the corner, that was a money ball. You know, you've heard me talk about the money ball, Adam, that during the course of the game, there's three or four possessions where a shot goes up and you're thinking this could swing the game. This is a game changer. If it's a three-pointer, if it's, uh, you know, whatever it might be. (laughs) But it's just the situation is such that if it's a miss, the other team's still alive. If it's a make, it's a dagger. And so I always call those the money ball shot, where you just break the hearts of your opponent. And that's what that three-pointer did. And so uh, great win for Bishop Lures on Saturday night. Coming up on the other side of the break, we'll give you today's top headlines. Also, how about the Fort Wayne women Purdue-Fort Wayne women, they have done something they haven't done for a long time. In fact, I don't think they've ever done it in the Horizon League. And so we'll talk about what that is. Also, well, we've got to talk court storming. It's Mm. top of the news today. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about what happened over the weekend. And again, I will emphasize what I think needs to be done to salvage Kind of a middle line here. I don't, first of all, I'm not sure that just saying no more, no court storming, can't do it is the answer. But let's be honest. Universities have to know when they've got a game of this magnitude that it's probably worthwhile to get a little extra security on hand for that game. It's probably worth the extra meeting pregame to discuss postgame strategy. And what are we going to do if we get this win? How does everybody go about their responsibilities to keep, number one, the other team safe, number two, our players safe, and number three, the students storming the court safe? How do we handle that? And that's where the breakdown is. That is where the breakdown is at right now. We are exposing our players to a violent rush from students who are paying no attention, just running madly onto the court. And that is the, that's the ground for the players. It's not for the fans. And so when the fans cross that line, they need to be more cautious. They need to, you know, be more considerate of the players. That probably isn't going to happen unless you've got security somewhere in between. That's where the breakdown is. 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. You're listening to the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. I guess good news over the weekend for trying all's well that ends well, right? Yeah, that's. I think that's what they say. We had Brooks Miller, the men's basketball head coach, on with us this past week. And uh, I didn't want to feel like I jinxed them because they lost the championship game <sighs> of the tournament uh, to Hope on their home floor. But... They had a good enough season. What are they like? Twenty-one and four, something like that. Twenty-two and four. You Twenty-three can, and four. Twenty-three and four. Uh, and so it was good enough season. They get an at-large. Not only do they get an at-large bid to the NCAA Division Three tournament, but they also have been selected as a host site for the first two rounds. So, uh, congratulations to Trine. They will take on Fontbon. Yeah. Fontbonne. Oh, I feel yeah. like I need to say some kind of a French Fon, accent. Fontbonne. Fontbonne. Fontbonne University. Fontbonne. 
Very propound. They will. They will play. We shouldn't make fun of them because no, we'll like, jinx yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely jinx it if we make fun of Fontbon. <laughs> yeah, they'll. 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 Because they, let's see what they're saying about our game in Fort Wayne. <laughs> oh, some guys going Fontbon. Fontbon. They're Fontbon. the. They're the Griffins. Okay. Well, that I can say. Uh, Trine versus Fontbon Friday night eight ten, and it'll be at the MTI Center up in Angola as they are. Uh, Trine has been selected to be a first and second round host. Now, the other two teams that will play a trine, one just made it to uh, NCAA Division Three Final Four a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Wabash against Coe. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, the nice thing is they got heating and air conditioning problems. The people <laughs> will be right there on site. All right, Don't so. <laughs> Wabash versus Coe. Well, it is, when you get to the D3 tournament, there's a lot of names oh, in this tournament. Man. We we should print the bracket and then I should say a name and say <laughs> Is this real? Yeah, D three team in the tournament or fake and just see how many you can get right. Oh uh, goodness. Because if I said Font Bon, of course you would have said that's gotta be real. He never would have known to make up a name <laughs> like Font Bon. Yeah, that's I would put that past you. Uh Wabash versus Co also. And uh, congratulations to Andy Rang and the Trine women who also are going dancing. <laughs> They'll be in the NCAA Division Three Women's Tournament after they got the tournament victory on Hope's floor. Hope was the dominant team during the regular season, but trying to upset them on Saturday night and claimed the conference championship and the automatic bid to the NCAA Division Three Tournament. And they will take on Gustavus. What is it? Gustavus Adolphus. You got it. Gustavus Adolphus out uh, of... Uh, again, one of those names that... St. Peter, Minnesota. It was pulled out of the Webster Dictionary. St. Peter's, Minnesota. St. Peter. St. Peter, Minnesota. They um, are uh, the Golden Gusties of Gustavus. <laughs> where, uh, where where does Trine play? Do we know? Uh, in the women's? Yeah, in the women's. I'll find that for Where's you. Where's their bracket? Uh, but they will be playing, and I don't even know what time they play... But that, that's their opponent, as the NCAA Division Three draw was just held earlier today, or the pairings were announced. So, uh, all right, so you're ready to do this, Adam? Uh, I know you're busy looking something up, but <laughs> we've got to get... Gustavus Adolphus. Gustavus Adolphus and Fonbon. Uh So let's find out uh, what's happening in the world of sports today. It's today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. All right, thanks, Brett. Well, the Mid-American Conference Board today voted to add UMass as a full member beginning in the 2025-26 academic year. UMass will join the MAC in all sports, including football. The UMass football program was in the MAC from 2012 to 2015, going 7-25 before going independent. Notre Dame and UConn are the only remaining independents now in college football. Interesting, uh, UMass, because they're right in the heart heart of mid-American country. It makes so much sense that UMass would be part of the mid-American conference. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Welcome back, UMass. It's, it's like uh, the Big Ten is now like... 20 teams strong. The, the big 20 close. and nationally acclaimed. Yeah, yeah, it sounds, well, it's interesting because I've seen a lot of buzz going on lately about Notre Dame and Texas A&M being two more teams that are going to be jumping into the Big Ten. Mm. Yeah, Notre Dame is being talked about that now the college football playoff format, that it may push or persuade Notre Dame to finally dive in and join the Big Ten. Interesting. 
Well, everybody's favorite basketball coach, Mike Woodson, spoke to media today about the status of Xavier Johnson, who's been dealing with an elbow injury for some time, saying that he, quote, he did some things yesterday on the floor. Not a lot of contact. I know he wants to play in the worst way. Time is kind of running out on him. I feel for him in that regard. Did you start that Did you start that story with a little sarcasm, did you? Never. Never. Uh, everybody's favorite coach. Everybody's favorite basketball coach. And Purdue star and reigning National Player of the Year, Zach Eady, will not return to school for his final year of eligibility. Poilermakers head coach Matt Painter told John Rothstein today the 7'4 center tested the NBA draft waters last summer before returning to Purdue. Uh, he's assisted his draft stock with his continued excellence, and a handful of draft experts peg him as a first-rounder. No surprise. I mean, what am I supposed to say to that? No. Soccer. Yeah. Woo, yeah. He's not coming Hit back. the breaking news sounder. We've got breaking news. Uh. Zach Eady is going to go pro. <laughs> I didn't even know he had another year of eligibility, to be honest with you. He sure didn't did. Even, didn't even think about that. Now, Caitlin Clark, it seems mm. to be an issue, but Zach Eady, no Not question. so much. No. Not One more for you, Brett. Purdue Fort Wayne's Aaron Woodson was selected as the Horizon League Freshman of the Week today, marking her fourth time earning the award. Woodson helped Purdue Fort Wayne women to a 2-0 road, road record this week with with wins at Northern Kentucky and IUPUI, averaging five points and four rebounds per, day, per game, and she pitched in eight points in a 12-point win at Northern Kentucky. Okay, Congratulations not, to Aaron. Nothing against Aaron. She's a really good freshman basketball player. But it has to be a pretty bad week for freshmen in the Horizon League when someone scores 10 points in two games. 10 points total in two games. And is the best freshman player in the entire 11-team league. Might have been a big week for the seniors. And uh, I mean, but I mean, she plays her role oh, terrific. Yeah. And so it's not. I'm not trying to take anything away from Aaron, but I'm just pointing out that uh, perhaps part of it is transfer portal. Mm. That you're filling open roles, especially significant roles, with players that you're getting out of the transfer portal, and that's why there's not a lot of freshmen that are having standout performances. I that's just a guess. But uh, <laughs> but it's always nice when uh, someone here locally picks up an award like that. So congratulations to Aaron Woodson, daughter of former Wizards manager uh, Tracy Woodson. Four six eight six two Parkview Sports Medicine text line four six eight six two. And speaking of the Mastodons women, how about those uh, those women over the weekend? They get the win against IUPUI, and they are now nineteen and ten. On the season, and uh, they now here's the progression under Coach Maria Marcasano. The year before she was hired, they were one and twenty-two. We didn't talk about it much here on the Sports Rush. One and twenty-two. She came in and immediately turned the program into a nine-win team. Year two. She improved to 14 wins, going 14 and 19 and making the semifinals of the Horizon League tournament. And now this year, comfortably in third place in the Horizon League standings. And if you look at the tiers in the women's side, clearly two teams stand alone well above the rest. And that is Green Bay and Cleveland State. There are power women's programs. Uh, and then you've got a big pack kind of in the middle. But in between that middle pack and those two top teams, you've got really Purdue-Fort Wayne kind of standing alone as the best of the rest after you get past Cleveland State and Green Bay. And so uh, there's they're safely in the top four, which means they've already assured themselves a first-round bye and a home game in the quarterfinals that would put them into the Horizon League Championships semifinals 
down at uh, Farmers Coliseum in Indianapolis. Yeah, that's awesome. They clinched that quarterfinal home game at the Gates Center, and it, that's coming up on March seventh. So, yeah, huge congratulations! What a, you know, it's just been an, a really impressive turnaround in this women's program. It's now, hard to understate. We'll talk about the men and where that stands with the men, because based on what the results were this weekend on the men's side, you have the two teams now that are one game in front of Purdue Fort Wayne that are tied for sixth place: uh, Cleveland State and Milwaukee. Unfortunately, they own the tiebreaker, both of them, against the Mastodons because both of them swept the Mastodons during the season. Now, the team just above them, Northern Kentucky, two games up on the Mastodons with two games to play, and the Dons do have the tiebreaker against Northern Kentucky. But Northern Kentucky would have to lose both of their final two games against Robert Morris and Wright State. Mm. They'd have to lose both of them, (laughs) and the Mastodons would have to win both final games for that to come into play. So there is a very strong possibility the Mastodons, regardless of this week's outcomes, uh, they will end up right where they're at as an eight seed, which does mean they will host a Horizon League tournament game on Tuesday, March 5th. And so everybody should get their tickets, right? Everybody should get their tickets to come out and see this team a final time because they'll be at home on March 2nd, and then they'll come right back and open up the Horizon League play on March 5th. And there's a good chance, by the way, Adam, that it could be the same opponent both nights. Oh, man. (laughs) They end the regular season against Robert Morris. Right now, Robert Morris is in ninth place, and eight versus nine is an opening round game. So there is a chance if you uh, really enjoy Mastodon's Colonials basketball, we've got the doubleheader for you. Uh, just stay tuned and we'll find out, I guess. It's a play-by-play guy's dream. We'll know the guys. We won't even look at the roster. Ah, no more prep. No, the stats will be ingrained in our minds. We won't even need to look. Uh, but anyway, that uh, so congratulations to Maria Marcasano and the women's basketball program for locking up one of those top four seeds. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. So we had another issue with court storming. And, of course, it's in the news because it happened to involve the Duke Blue Devils. And, and it's almost like we knew it had to be one of the big blue bloods, probably a Duke or a North Carolina or a Kentucky before this really blew up and some of the decision makers or powers that be would start to get involved. Kyle Filipowski, one of the star players for the Duke Blue Devils, was hurt when fans stormed the court, primarily students storming the court, as Wake Forest knocked off Duke on Saturday. Um, And if you watch the replay, let's be honest about what happened. Number one, Kyle Filipowski actually tried to trip the student and put his leg out. That exposed his leg, and then when he got spun around and landed on his leg, he landed awkwardly, which then, according to uh, Coach Shire this morning, it uh, he's got a little bit of a knee issue. And he said he was still a little sore yesterday. He didn't require an MRI, so it does sound like he's probably going to be okay. No serious issues. But... Uh, it does bring up the question again. The, the, you know, I, I hate it because I think this is one of those rare joys for, for that, that makes college basketball unique. Nobody storms the court in the NBA. Okay? It's, 
it's like, uh, I don't know, corporate, kind of corporate takeover atmosphere. The, the thing that I think makes college so unique is those student bodies that show up at these games time and time again. They bring the atmosphere that is so special in college basketball that you don't get in other levels. I hate to take something away from them and take some of that enthusiasm uh, away from the students. But the universities have to police their programs much better than they have. There's the problem. Unfortunately, their lack of foresight, organization, security, and planning is going to cost everybody an opportunity for that rare occasion. I couldn't imagine Mastodon's beating IU back in 2016 without Bleach Boy and everybody else coming onto the court celebrating with the team. The team (laughs) loved it. The students loved it. It went viral. (laughs) and Yeah, everybody enjoyed it. Uh, I couldn't imagine something like that being against the rules and the university being fined for, for the students celebrating. Now, in that case, you know, a court storming for Purdue Fort Wade <laughs> at the time was like 30 people. But oh, it's a little more when you get to like a school the size of Wake Forest or the size of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. IU or some of the bigger schools. But, you know, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a secret that if Wake Forest won that game, I mean, College Game Day was there, right? Wasn't College Game Day there? All I know is that was the big game. And if Wake Forest won it, that was going to be a situation that would potentially lead to a court storming. Nobody should have been shocked by it. Where were the police? Where were the security? Where were the ropes? Where were the people guiding the players back over to the sideline to get them out of harm's way? Major fail by Wake Forest. Wake up. If you're going to have these kind of games and your players have earned the respect of the program to get them on national TV, to get a ranked opponent like that, which, of course, it's a conference game, but to get an opportunity to knock off a ranked opponent like that and have a legitimate shot at winning this game, you've got to be prepared for what the aftermath might just be. Whether that's announcements, whether that is, uh, you know, uh, punitive uh, penalties, you know, where you uh, you say we've got you, we've got ring cam- <laughs> we've got ring cameras on, and anybody who comes out of the seats is going to, you know, be expelled or you know whatever it might be. However you want to handle it from a security standpoint, that's up to you. But the bottom line is, you can't have interaction between fans and players. You can't have players trying to trip fans. You can't have players. That, uh, you know, could haul off and punch a fan. We've seen that happen, mm-hmm. I think, in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you just can't let that that type of encounter happen. And so uh, I, I, I put all the blame on this on Wake Forest. And I think they just, it was shameful that they didn't have better planning and organization to take care of the Duke players, get them off the floor. And... Uh, you know, most of the time, I don't think those kids are storming the court because they want to go get in the face of the opponent. They don't, they're not looking for that interaction. They're looking for an interaction with their players to celebrate a win, with their fellow students, pride in the university. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But I also think, as is the case in society, there has to be rules, there has to be laws, there has to be limits. And it's up to the establishment to set those. And the establishment failed. 
And that's why you end up with all of this debate about what happened to Kyle Filipowski and the Duke Blue Devils on Saturday. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. we got to get in a break. Coming up, we'll talk Zach Eady and Purdue. Eady just continues to dominate. Go ahead. It's a Sharpie. He's winning National Player of the Year once again. Also, uh, I got I to gotta bring up FAU. What's happening to the Owls? Could they possibly get themselves into a position where they don't make the tournament? I'll tell you their position right now and whether I think they're safe or they're at risk. Uh, also, Don Fisher joins us at 520 for our 15 Minutes with Fish. Busy Monday, taking you home with the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.